the CEO show. I'm your host Casey Peterson and today is a very special episode because we have not one but two CEOs. I'm dubbing this episode Double Trouble because we are featuring Renee Montgomery and Serena Grace. These two CEOs are standing up and speaking out for the greater good and getting into good and necessary trouble in the words of the late great John Lewis. Please welcome Serena Grace professional singer, storyteller with a passion for film and writing, and Renee Montgomery, professional athlete, host, and cultural speaker. I mean, wow. Where do we begin, ladies? Hey, first of all, let me just tell wow. you, I love the name of your show. Right. Here for Double Trouble. And Thank that, you for having us. That was probably one of the best intros I've ever heard. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, and you know, working on an episode title, I've learned in the past, it's easier to do it before the episode versus after because we're going to cover a lot of ground, obviously. And then I was like, yeah. I have two girls. How do I encompass everything you do, still get the point across, still get the message there? And I come up with Double Trouble, and the first thing Peter said when I showed him, he said, you know there's a basketball movie with two girl basketball players called Double Trouble. I said, what? I didn't even know that part. I said, I would say <laughs> good and necessary trouble and activism. This is just on brand. I have a great picture of the two of them. And so it just works out. I'm super excited. Thank you. We're excited, too. We're really excited. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Well, you girls have a lot of going on, so I don't even know where to begin, but I figured the best way to get the listeners involved and learn a little bit more about each of you is sharing your CEO journey and what led you to your current career today. Okay. Well, we're excited to, you know, to just tell the story. We we don't um, always, you know, get to do joint interviews together. So um, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. So you start. She said, tell your story. You start. Oh, me? <laughs> so uh, I started acting back in 2009. Actually, when I when I started, I started going to KSU in 2009. And um, so when I when I started going to KSU, I kind of wanted to do other things as well. So I started uh, being in. I started doing background work, and then background work led to like featured work, and then that led to a couple lines here and there. And um, so I um, I actually left school for a couple of years to focus on that and to focus on music and things like that. But then um, I actually went back to school um, three years ago. No, not four, because it's 2021. So in 2017. <laughs> I went back to KSU and um, I met uh, some of the friends that you already know. I met Beth Keener and Greer Howard and mm -hmm. they were some tremendous mentors for me and Keith Parisi and Danny Howes from the Mavis program because they were, um, the Mavis program is a music and entertainment business program at Kennesaw State. Yeah, who do who? Yeah, right. Like it's, <laughs> it's to the Mavis program. <laughs> Like, we're making some noise. Like, KSU, you know, KSU people, we're making some noise. And Black it's and gold, a, proud and bold. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because it's such a, uh, I would say it's a small program compared to, you know, the 30,000 students that there's in KSU. But, um, you know, there was some really amazing, amazing things coming out of there. And so I met Beth and Greer and they, 
I was interning for them and they just, they were my mentors for, you know, just in, in being CEOs basically, because there's some lady bosses themselves, as you mm -hmm. already know. So, yeah. yeah so from there, um, it, it was just a lot of, um, what do you call it? Serendipity going mm -hmm. on because, um, I got the, the Braves, the Braves gig just from, um, from mutual connections from Beth and Greer. And then I feel like that led me to other engagements that led me to, to meet Renee, uh, mm -hmm. when I sang at the Hawks and then from, you know, Renee and I, we, you know, we have similar views on how we view the world and, and we both have that passion for, for, for people, for, you know, mm -hmm. for loving people, basically. And she already had her foundation. She had the Renee Montgomery Foundation when I met her. And um, it was just perfect because I also wanted to start something like that. And now we get to combine our forces. So it kind of just took off from there. Yeah. And I think you guys have a great way of marrying your world with still having your own worlds. It's really cool how you've kept oh. it all in the family, like even evolving in the sense of taking quarantine and leading to muchas Montgomery's and yeah. I mean, all, the, all the fun content, how it started, where we're at now. I mean, it's been so much fun to watch you guys on social and keeping up. Literally, you need your own show at this point. Like, <laughs> real show. Keeping no, up well, with the Montgomery's. Well, literally, I try to, this is, I try to add her into everything in my world. So it's funny that, like you said, we do a good job of mixing and then having our own separate. I literally try to bring her in on everything I'm doing because <laughs> she's, she's my secret weapon. People don't know that. So. We're each other's secret weapon, really. So Yeah, you guys are, you guys are intimidating. I'm telling you, if I was on the other side <laughs> no, of that, I would be all. like, whoa, powerhouse times two, like okay and I love it too because I mean you guys just you pack a punch and it's for all the right reasons the intentions are there and Renee I respect your journey too because prof professional athletes have a bad rep in general in the sense of just like hey they're there for a check they play some sports they do some bad things and you know women professional athletes don't get enough hype at all period no matter what yes, say that again and That's there's exactly. like nobody handing them a mic when they should be you know I feel like there's just copy and paste standard female athletes who get all the praise and the glory but in the man man dominated market it's like all the male athletes every week we're hearing about a new male athlete where he went to college how much money he's getting and nothing that he's doing impactful with it I mean just for full transparency <clears throat> and so for you I think it what's really admirable is that you're a you're getting handed the mic more so now than any time ever because you've really taken a stand. And for anybody listening who doesn't know, could you walk them through kind of your CEO journey from professional athlete into what you're currently doing and what was your turning point into activism? Yeah, you know, so for me, um, as Serena talked about, in 2019, I started my foundation. We became a 501c3 in 2019. I've always kind of wanted to start it, but with the WNBA, we play in the summer in the WNBA, and then in the off season, which is the fall winter, we go overseas and play overseas. So that was a that I did that for ten years straight, and then kind of at the ten year marker, I stopped playing overseas, and I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more in the community. I wanted to do more than just basketball. I just wanted to do more. Um, that's when I started to get into TV and started doing hosting and broadcasting and analyst work. And so I just really wanted to have an impact, not just basketball. And mm -hmm. so we really wanted to just do more. And and for me, that meant a lot of different things. That meant doing things in the community. That meant 
trying to put myself out there to get a job. I know a lot of people probably think it's easy just say, oh, yeah, I'm a WNBA player. I'll get hired as an analyst. It doesn't work that way. I was sending cold emails. I was reaching out. I was trying to use my contacts to get to hold of people. I was just trying to I was just trying to get make something happen. So then fast forward to 2020 and 2019 is when I started to stop playing overseas. And then fast forward to 2020 in January, I was excited, looking forward to that legwork had got me somewhere. I was supposed to be calling the women's NCAA tournament. I was supposed to be calling the Dosecki's 3x3 tournament, the G League championship. I was supposed to be calling that and Corona hit. And so the the (laughs) pandemic hit and kind of just stopped sports. And and it didn't just stop sports. It stopped my jobs. It stopped everything Mm. for me. Like all of my jobs were predicated on the WNBA, me playing, and then me calling other sports events. So it's kind of like everything, the world stopped and my world stopped in a sense of, of jobs. And we're at home and you talked about it. We started doing muchas Montgomery's and we were just like having fun. And it was, I, and I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I was really enjoying being quarantined. I was like happy. I was traveling (laughs) twice a week, maybe three times a week before the quarantine hit. Like I was pretty busy. And so we were able to just have muchas and just have fun with it and just have fun with each other and enjoy each other. And then have so much, so much free time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we, we decided to just, then actually things started to happen and it's always been happening in America. So I want to make that clear. But mm-hmm. when those things happen and you're sitting still and you have nothing else to think about, but what you're looking at, that's where my focus went. I started to mm-hmm. look in the news and I saw Breonna Taylor and I started to look in the news and I saw Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. And I'm like, yeah, this is a no go. Like we have to figure something out here. I want to have a part. Yeah. And so that's what led me to opt out. And, you know, as Serena talked about, we both understood that we're for the people People got to understand if they're talking about me, they have to talk about Serena because she's the one that kind of was like, well, you know, you could go do this or, you know, she was the one that was fueling it in a sense of I was like, yo, that's a good idea. That's why I call her my secret weapon, because, you know, I always wanted to do good, but she's been like my guiding light in that. So we started to just hand out water, something really simple. But man, did it catch fire? You know, I was getting Mm -hmm. interviewed all over BBC, CNN, MSNBC, and I'm like, this is pretty crazy that my whole life I haven't gotten interviewed like this or had this much media attention for anything I was doing as a professional athlete. But when I opted out, it blew up for me. That was poetic justice because I, I would want nothing better to, than to be known as that like that. It, like I couldn't have dreamed to be known for something like that. So it kind of all worked out how it should for me. And, uh, you know, and now here we are talking to you, Casey, and yes. it's, it's a good time, Casey. It's a, what a time. Yes. Oh, and I should <laughs> let me mention that we're three and oh, I did a we did a lot of efforts on getting out the vote in Georgia and different things. Yes. So I want to say that we are celebrating a 3 0 victory first with President elect Joe Biden, secondly with pres- Vice President elect Kamala Harris, and then with the two Senate races, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. So I'm pretty excited talking to you, Casey, sitting at three and oh. <laughs> yes yes we are blue in the best way in the sense of everything is looking looking up and I mean it got kind of weird it's still kind of weird I have no idea what's going on as far as you know every time I check my phone there's a new headline and right. it's, it's overwhelming you know so yeah. something I admire especially in times like this you know my personality ty- type is to kind of like recluse 
pause mute like I'm just like I have to process I have to dissect I have to digest everything which 90% of everybody's like that right yeah but something I admire about you too is that I know that you're going through that same kind of process but that ignites you to get out there on the front line even if it's as simple as handing out a water bottle that impact and that purpose even like you said Renee that wasn't necessarily your plan but it evolved that way and Serena mentioned it as serendipity you know God's playing a part and really, like, get fueling your purpose. Like, here it is. Okay. It's like, bam, this is what you're meant to be doing. Stars are aligning. The phone is ringing. Yeah. You know, the, the it's booked. You're booked. So yeah. I think it's beautiful. You know, there's beauty in all of the madness and the wild craziness of the world all the time. But I think that that's admirable. And even in the time of me kind of just processing everything, I was, like, so happy to be like, wow there's there's my there's my love right there there it is I see it I see where I'm almost like reassured that there's good people doing good things and making an impact and it further fueled me to be like and this is where I'm at and this is what I'm Casey you guys all warm and fuzzy over here I know I know and I I love that because I've been saying that I've been saying that um a lot of you know a lot of bad things are happening but a lot of good things are happening also and um you know Renee she's she's always been a leader I told her that she's been preparing for this all her life like she mm-hmm. you know she she has been a star but now yeah. that um you know like like when she starts sharing her views she starts seeing that a lot of people actually agree with with you know with and have the same views as her and then they see the past and they see her her track record basically and they see that wow this girl has been a leader you know in in other aspects of life as well so and 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 also it was just um I'm a journalism major so I felt like um I don't know I, I felt like like we had to we had to be out there you know I feel like we mm-hmm. you know this was something in history and I felt like we have to um you know I can't I'm, I'm, I'm I can't just sit back and just not do anything about this I feel like we like to be in the field we like the action you know so it was like wow mm-hmm. like it, it was I don't know. It was it was so exhilarating just just being there. I went with a couple of my uh, KSU classmates at the time and we we went for, um, you know, to report and stuff. But we also we we prayed with them. We I don't know. It was just it was a, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it because mm-hmm. it really was something else being there. And so it was like it was bigger than all of us. So Renee likes to give me kudos. But I tell her that she's been she's been preparing for this all her life. I think both of you have. I think it's evident. It comes off of you as a part of your energy your vibe and what you attract and I think as soon as you guys join forces it again stars align it's like the stardust is just continuing you guys are still going all right hit my no <laughs> you're fine hey home life you guys are that's a good sign you guys are staying in you're staying home you're staying good it's it's all good um but something I wanted to you know just like further emphasize on that it's just refreshing I think in our landscape you know for me I'm from like a rural middle of nowhere Georgia town I graduated with 60 people in my class and when wow. I tell you it was backwoods it's in the sense of there was still segregated um, prom and homecoming representatives when I was in middle school in 2008 what? So That's crazy. when I was on sixth grade homecoming court there was because they did a middle school reps for every class. And then obviously you had the king and queen reps for the senior class in the high school. And we were in a county school. That's how small the town is. So everyone's attending in the same building. I mean, if this is making me sound like I was like in a sweet home Alabama. I love this because um, like I'm from New York, so we don't really hear these stories. Right. Like, so, I mean, it was like 
crazy because I was born in Atlanta. I grew up in Ackworth, which doesn't seem like that's even metro area at all, but definitely not like what it was like when I moved there. I moved there in fifth grade and I actually got homecoming rep in the sixth grade and I was the white rep. So you had a white rep and then you had a black rep. There was nothing else. There was no other minority. I didn't go to school with a single Asian person, a single Indian person. I mean, there is no diversification. It was just either white or black. And I think we had three Hispanic people in our entire county school system at the time. So it's insane to think about like, hey, that's already an issue. But then on top of that, the issue of, hey, I just got to the school and I'm going to a homecoming game and they had five nominees for the black representative queen. And then they had five nominees for the white representative queen. Just so Mm -hmm. everybody felt like, it was like equal. I was like, this is not equal. You're just further segregating everyone. This is messed up. Wow. Yes. The county beside our school actually had um, an HBO special done about them. And we're like in Cosmopolitan for not having school sponsored prom because of the same issue with race. So, I mean, all of that changed in seventh grade. They changed everything, but even just being there, that was 2007. So why in 2007 am I even like exposed to this type of issue? And what was wild is just seeing it on both sides, like seeing this hate, seeing this like systematic systematic issue going on as far as like who was in power in the town, who was making the rules and what everything was being set up for. You know, like, unfortunately, it was like no one was being set up for success, you know, on either side. It's like, hey, if you're on the white side, you're going to go to school around here or you're going to go work on a farm. You're going to get married and have kids and you're going to be right over here. And if you're on a minority side, you're going to be growing up. And they had literally systemized redlined with um, public housing and like lack thereof for funding and scholarship opportunity. And even the sports system there did not exist. We were not good at any sport in that town. (laughs) Well, you know what that makes me think, Casey, because I talk about having uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. and that makes me think about. You know, people, some people ask me, why do I even want to waste my time having these uncomfortable conversations with people? And I'm like, there's some people that grew up in a, and and might have not known they had racist tendencies just because that's their family. That's how they grew up. And there's obviously people that are going to be on the far left and uh, the far right. I always worry about the people in the middle that didn't even know that they, you know, they had an uncle that says some inappropriate things or had a dad that it was just normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they didn't even know that. So I like you're exactly what I talk about when I talk about you grew up in that. You still realize it because you you know you could tell already at a young age that this doesn't seem right. But right. some people don't think nothing of it. If there was a black group and there was a white group, some people grew up thinking, well, that's how it should be. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear you know that you coming from that background didn't stay with that thought process oh no and even at the time I was a social butterfly I didn't see anything and even with the cheerleading something as simple as cheer so you could actually join varsity or junior varsity cheer through the whole year but if you were made the football team you did not have to agree to basketball season because that was considered not the white cheerleading season Mm -hmm. so guess what I stayed through basketball season I learned to <laughs> I learned to do all the things and everyone was like, okay, snowflake, you know, oh, I got called God. all kinds of stuff on both sides of the fence. But then even mm-hmm. close to, my closest girlfriends were not white at the time. And I remember even um, she became a cheer captain her senior year and she was black and every other game 
the cheer captains would usually host like a slumber party or a get ready party if we had an out of town game for cheer. Uh And like 50% of the cheerleaders bowed out of her event for her house because that's crazy Casey how old are you just for context this is unbelievable (laughs) yeah it wasn't even that long ago exactly and then even like the sense of just standing up even when there's not necessarily something like as extreme as what's happened this year or like it being publicized or everyone was actually like quarantined and able to see it but this has been going on and I remember just being in like class or saying something about you know, like some white, like redneck guys being like, Casey, I saw where you were hanging out with such and such. You must like that. I'm like, what the freak? He's, he's a human, A, mm-hmm. and she's a human, B. That doesn't mean anything about anything. The fact that you even have to say that just shows the ignorance, like, and how ugly it is. Yeah. And my thing was in religion, even church, I had like three, uh, three black people in my entire congregation. And then there was the quote unquote black church in town. And I was like, why do you think God wanted all of us to be like this? You think that's what he wanted us to do? You know, and I don't want to get too far in religion, but even sanctions of religion, I get kind of like, that's not what that's about. That's the hate. You know, even the other day, there's like protests going on and they have Jesus saves flags. I'm like, don't bring Jesus into this. This is not Jesus. This is the other guy with the horns. You know, you might know him. That's the different (laughs) side of the fence. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just, it, I appreciate it too, because it's, it's something that you're always going to have to listen. Like, you know how they say certain words fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. I think there's pl- places, people, towns, families, politicians, everywhere, celebrities who choose to be deaf. They choose to be still, they choose. And whether they even know they're doing that or not, it's like, you might as well, you know, hold the gun. You might as well. Because that, that's what the big killer is. So my big thing with the summer was just really taking in an account like this isn't more than just like a conversation piece or then then somebody can peel back the layer and realize this about me. I'm just going to say it out there. And I, if you're like this redneck person from my hometown and you think I've just lost all my cooth and I've gone crazy, then good for you. <laughs> Bow out. But then I had a lot of people message me like nobody hardly liked the post that I posted, but mm. I got direct messages that was just like, Hey, actually, how do you handle talking to people in your family? Because I'm having issues with all of this going on. And this is around George Floyd time. And it became this whole like blue life, black life, whatever life thing. And my yeah. biggest thing, I follow Ava DuVernay. And every time she gives advice, she's like, it's just life. Mm-hmm. There is no there is no other like level to it, but you have to understand that there's an entire like society, society like opinion that a life that's not white is not human. It's not considered the same standard. And that to me yeah. just like still baffles me, but I think it does encourage like continued conversation and actually being not only an ally, but being anti-racist. So when you yeah, realize people exactly. around you are saying certain things, you have to acknowledge, hey, that's not okay. Or why do you feel that way? And it's interesting when you turn the mic around on some people, they kind of, Definitely. you know, they don't know where to go from there. Definitely. And I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm preaching like, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I like that you're talking about that because, um, you know, it's, it's the same for, for Hispanic communities. I'm, I'm Latina mm-hmm. and some people, 
you know, um, like I, I experienced the same thing that you said that like, you know, on, on both sides, like, oh, so you like, so you just like black guys or you just like black people or something. I'm like, what are you talking about? I like all people, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm from New York where it's very diverse and the South, um, like you said, you're 27. I'm not much older. I'm 29. And when I came to Atlanta, it was like 2005 and it was so like, I remember just being in the cafeteria and seeing that there was only three groups. It was the the Hispanic people, the black people and the white people. And it was all separated. And it mm. was it was crazy because um, I didn't I never experienced anything like that. And even now, you know, some people might not like interracial relationships, you know, and we definitely mm-hmm. get some some crazy, you know, statements made sometimes. But that like like Ava DuVernay say, that's just life. But I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear you talk about that, because that is something that that wasn't that long ago. And I'm glad that people are talking about it more now, because I remember mm-hmm. not even that long ago either that people didn't even want to touch on anything politics on anything so you know on social media because they didn't want to lose out on like brands and sponsorships and things like that and they were like no we don't like to touch on politics but now it's the conversation it's not politics it's like a humanity thing like you have, yeah you know it's yeah. it's, a, it's it's just a it's it's just a, a prominent topic of conversation that needs to be addressed and then even interracial side you know peter is puerto rican yeah. and I was like, you know, you're 100% brown. I'm 100% white. <laughs> if we have a child, they are going to be 50-50. Yeah. And I really just want to make sure that we do our due diligence as like adults and just humans yeah. to figure out what that landscape looks like for that child. Right. Because, you know, Peter even brought something to my attention with like growing up and he went to school in Montgomery, Alabama mm-hmm. at one point. And he said, I couldn't identify with the white group yes, or the black yes. group. Yes, I, I can, I, I can so, relate to that, definitely. As a- and he said when he would fill out the scorecard on a, like, standardized test, mm-hmm. he'd have to choose other. Yes, same, And I was like, same. what oh the my heck? Gosh, that's so crazy. I, I, I used right? to have a And I'm like, about- how is that a thing? Yeah, I'm like, how is that even a thing? Like, someone in our generation is an other how are we still like in that world but you know I feel like we could talk about this we're gonna need like a whole nother (laughs) session on that but um uh I got off all my I got off my talking points here but I did want to you know just for any CEO listening or anyone in general who's looking to get more involved be more like an activist and kind of following the path of what you guys have managed to do what kind of advice would you get them on how to get involved find what you're passionate about you know I tell I tell people this all the time a lot of people say so many bad things about the internet, but it's how you use it. It's how you use social media. So if there's a topic that you're passionate about or a job that you're passionate about, well, you can literally follow the boss of that job or follow the owner of that company online. You can tweet things. You can reach out. You can make yourself visible, basically, and, and you can just stay consistent. And I tell people, mm-hmm. if, if you don't know where to start, start on social media. Yeah, definitely. I I agree because um, I always say that social media is basically to me is like it's almost like journalism at its best and at its worst. It's kind of like it depends on how you use it. But it's like everybody is kind of like a civilian journalist at this point, you know, so you have the access to get out your your views and, and things that you see out onto this you know, out, out, out into the world, basically. So it, it depends on how you use it. You can use it for good and you can use it for bad. So 
is is like people who are you know it, people think oh it's just social media like no it's pretty powerful and, and and the power can go both ways so we've been able to just you know like we we always just circle everything around uh positivity so we always try to keep everything positive even if there is sometimes you do have to talk about the bad things that go on but you don't have to focus on that so much you know you can talk you know because like i mean going back to journalism again you do have to you know report on what's going on and on the truth and things like that but there's also a way to talk about things and framing things that it doesn't have to be negative you know so mm-hmm. so yeah just like renee said just find your passion and and stick stick to it you know like just just be true to it and and, and be consistent i love that and i wanted to you know also just get some advice not only for myself but those listening you know you guys do have a lot going on and even you know pre-quarantine you both were kind of on the road in your own respects like at one point Steph or Serena you were overseas performing mm-hmm. Renee's overseas you know playing like and then you're back home like how does all that work how do you maintain that balance um I think that we're both pretty career driven but we're also like very mm-hmm. family driven too so it's it's like is is a hundred percent of everything. It's like we don't we don't we don't split like fifty fifty focus. I feel like it's a hundred percent focus on both, you know. So it's like um we we understand like our whole family helps us a lot. Like we understand um and my family understands that if I if I have to do something and I have to go to London for two weeks, that my mom is going to take care of my son. And if Renee is playing, you know, in another state, she knows that I'm going to hold it down at home. It's kind of like we're 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 all uh, pretty career driven and pretty family, you know, based. So we just yeah but let me tell you this i wished i was in london when she was in london that's probably that's why it's tough and that's probably why you know connected we stay connected very much so and that's probably Mm -hmm. why you know when quarantine hit i was enjoying the moment because of those things you talked about we do have to work away from home a lot and so i was enjoying the fact that we could just enjoy each other and just be home and like no one in no one out this is just the norm mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And so we made the most of it. We yeah. made Muchas Montgomery's. Yeah, like our creativity just flourished with all this free time because like you said, we were always on the move. And this time, like, mm-hmm. it's like the world, you know, forced us to take a pause. So it was like our, our creativity just flourished. You know, we're always busy running around school, work and and being being moms and stuff, you know. So it's it's is um, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice breather, it was a nice pause. I love that. And it's a true testament to kind of where you are. Like you said, your creativity flourished in a time where you pause. So you two pack a punch. Like I said, I mean, I'm so excited for what's to come. She is. Is there anything that we. Thank you. Thank you for having us on here. And is there anything, you know, in the future listeners can look out from the two of you and if they want to stay tuned on your CEO journeys, where can they follow you guys? Oh yeah. You can follow me on all social platforms at Renee Montgomery. I also have a, a podcast of my own. It's called Remotely Renee. Talk about a little bit yes. of everything. So if you want to follow that journey as well, that's at Remotely Renee. Awesome. Yeah, and you can also follow me on all social platforms. I'm at Serena Grace underscore. And um, yeah, and I'm going to be coming out with some new music pretty soon. So you guys can be on the lookout for that. Right now, I just released my debut holiday single that is on YouTube. Yes. This holiday, baby. It's, holiday. it's a bop. It's a bop. <laughs> <laughs> so I am working on it. I for real. I, 
I've been sitting there humming that today. I'm oh, not even kidding. You. I'm like, last December. <laughs> hey! Oh, I can hear that voice. I hear that voice. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so excited. I was able to get you girls, like, down here for just even for a second. I appreciate your time. I know you both are so, so busy. And I know our listeners are going to just grow and want more from you so we might have to do this again so i might be in touch, <laughs> be in touch. Part two. Be in touch. You down. we love you and thank you for having us Lisa. awesome thank you girls y'all have a good one and stay tuned for more on the ceo okay. show <laughs>